This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When the spawn meets world. What up, Buzz? What up, Buzz? And welcome to Bra Meets World. Your boy meets world fun cast. I'm Siege. I am Tony Curtis. How are you, Sam? Hey, we're excited to be back for another episode. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bright. I'm pretty cheerful. How about you? Where are you at? I'm also doing pretty well. You know, life is a journey. And I feel like right now I'm at like a pretty outlook. You know what I mean? You know, like when you're, you're, you're on the mountain and you're just sweating, but then there's just a bench that's like right at the good spot where you could just kind of sit and just look at the view. That's where I'm kind of at metaphorically right now. So I'm enjoying it. My partner and I have been doing Runyon almost every morning uh, now. And so I do know that point, <laughs> that, that point no. where you get there and you need to sit and you're just like, huh? Yeah, I'm very familiar with that. So it's a good place. It's a good place. I, I, like, like I'm glad that you're there. And next time I go, I will think of you when I sit down. Hey, hey. Uh, Every day, of, good for you. Look at you guys getting into the habit. I got a wedding. I got to get ready for. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Let me tell you right now, my body is not cooperating. It's like, but we love the fact. <laughs> it's comfy. You know, it's comfy. It's cozy. It's fun to cuddle with exactly uh okay you ready to get into this episode a hundred percent this episode bruh bruh okay let's start with some morning announcements uh before we dive in we want to make sure we give a shout out to all of our listeners who have been sending us emails and recordings uh we love hearing from you as we always say if you want to share your thoughts on the show and ask us any questions send us an email at brummythrown.gmail.com or record a voice message on our website um we know many of you are following along with pod meets world and re-listening to our season two um we got an email from a listener on one of our season two episodes uh teacher's bet that i just want to like shout out really quickly uh this is mrs Quequig. i think it says but she says hey bros uh, it was interesting hearing your input on episode teacher's bet because you're not wrong about the episode discussing asian american discrimination as a california choice as someone from the northern california um lindsey price's casting was blatant i've never questioned lindsey price's ethnicity and i knew immediately what she had been called anti-blackness is universal but i grew up hearing it as a distant third behind anti-asian and anti-latino rhetoric listening to you i realized that her casting was a very california choice the show including grapes of wrath and me and mr jode is another california choice it's required reading for high school students um there's a john steinbeck museum in salinas so uh and then she gave us a homework recommendation for uh steinbeck which is east of eden so what do you have to say to mrs quick well i we appreciate the comments as always and love the perspective especially from a native californian um you know she's referring to it's actually season one episode eight teachers bet which is oh episode where we're introduced to the Anne Frank diary. It's the one where uh, Corey is teaching the class. And if the class does well, you know, he gets his bike back, whatever. Um, and our discussion about it was this idea of that we weren't familiar with the, the discrimination that was happening in the episode. It wasn't as blatant to us. And we wondered if the episode, um, if the message is 
that the message they intended to have come across was as clearly received to everyone because it wasn't to us. And so, you know, someone who maybe wasn't familiar with the, you know, the entire, like, you know, our perspective of, of, of black males could say like, you know what, I watched this episode and I thought that, you know, discrimination towards Asian Americans was something that I thought was very relevant and very in line with, you know, things that I've encountered in my community. You know, it's all about just getting different people's perspective. Absolutely. And I also like, like when I think back on the episode, I feel like it is very much of a California choice because as we talked about uh, often, what is like the makeup in Philadelphia in the 80s? But that said, um, I think at any point in time, when you are trying to share that type of story, um, it's important to have you know, several different references and represent several different ethnicities because discrimination is more than just anti-blackness. Although anti-blackness is pretty much at the root of all of them. <laughs> uh, it's all just different heads of the same white supremacy mobs. <laughs> you, you ain't lying. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much, Mrs. Quig. And you, a lot of you have been commenting and replying to us on our Instagrams. So make sure that you're doing that. Finally, we uh, also want to make sure that you guys help us um, with our mission to reach 1,000 YouTube subscribers. Help us out. Subscribe to our channel. Uh, share it with your friends. As we said previously, we really would appreciate it. Um, we got a lot of cool things coming up. So, Yeah, and I also just want to give a shout out to Rockhead84, who's been commenting pretty consistently on our YouTube videos. We see you. We love that you're part of our community, and we appreciate your comments. Absolutely. Uh, I know that you guys have waited long enough for us to talk about this episode. And I, I know if I know anything about T, he's also really excited to talk about this episode. Uh, so you ready to get into the tell me about it? I'm I'm so ready for it. Um, okay, yeah. Lots about it. Yeah, the truth is about to hit. So Corey tells Topango her hair looks like shit, while Sean and Angela try friends with benefits. You know what? I like I. There's so much about this show that just they didn't have the words for at the time, but we're like, yeah, this is yes. a friends with benefits situation. Very easy. <laughs> Millennials figured it out early on. <laughs> I have to be honest. The fact that this episode even got to that point where Sean and Angela are theoretically just fucking in the next room while people are eating tater tots. <laughs> I have so much to say about this episode, bro. And then, you know what's funny? I do not remember this episode. In terms of just, like, as someone who's watched this series through north of ten times, I do not have any recollection of this episode, other than to see, like, Corey, I showed Corey my butt, baby. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 have, I have thoughts. All right, so this is season six, episode 20, The Truth About Honesty. When Corey and Topanga make an agreement to tell the truth about everything and everyone, their total honesty pact creates tension at Jack and Rachel's first dinner party. When the party guests play a game that forces them to also tell the truth, personal feelings are revealed that they would rather keep to themselves. In a D storyline, Eric pretends to be a single father. <laughs> yep. That's how I put that. Uh, okay, before we get into anything, uh, let's go through our really quick roll call, which is Chad Morgan as Dana. Uh, and I mentioned this because Chad Morgan is a famous voiceover actor. Um, what are you talking about? Chad Morgan, Dana, who plays um, Eric. Oh, Eric State. Eric State in this. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Huge voiceover actor, which is also funny. I wanted to point this out because. 
Yeah. Uh, at the end, Eric says, I'm Batman. And it turns out he's being honest because Will Friedle is the voice actor of Terry McGinnis, a.k.a. Batman in uh, Batman Beyond. So, um, yeah, that's so it's so funny because I literally wrote that down too. That the one time Eric was honest was when he said, I'm Batman, because Batman Beyond had premiered three months prior to this episode, Eric. Ah, oh, but so he actually was already casted as Batman at that time. Oh, that's great. Also, what's really funny to me about this episode is uh, it's written by Allison M. Gibson, which, from what I can see, is the only writing credit she has of this season. And I immediately was like, I kind of like this episode. I felt like it was hitting some things that the rest of the episodes had it previously. And I was yeah. like, huh, a female writer. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I felt like the episode was kind of all over the place, but it worked better than a lot of the other episodes. And when I say it's a lot of all over the place, it's just because there were so many storylines happening at once. But I feel like they, again, they kind of pulled it off. And to your point, they're actually getting into some real stuff. They're like, hey, let's have the real conversations that we haven't been having in a fun party. And I just think that it's just a recipe for a great uh, situational comedy. So, uh, you know, it, it was surprising how much I enjoyed this episode. Absolutely. And then also it was directed by Jeff McCracken. And the reason why I mentioned this is because yeah. Jeff McCracken has directed uh, several episodes this season, specifically with Corey and Topanga's uh, relationship problems. He did his part one. He did episode four of this season, Friendly Persuasion. Episode six, Hogs and Kisses. Episode eight, You're Married, You're Dead. And episode 14, Getting Hitched. So they've really attached him to the Corey and Topanga storyline. That's um, interesting, yeah. Which I thought was, yeah, I thought I thought very interesting. All right, let's um, get right into it. I'm please. going A storyline, Corey and Topanga. You hit me okay. with your first thoughts. Go. So the A storyline is this idea that, you know, Topanga uses Corey's razor. He does not communicate his boundaries openly, that he has a problem with it. Angela steps in and tells Topanga. So Topanga has this idea that we're going to try radical honesty in our relationship just to make sure that we are on the same page. Sean is voicing that this is a trap. But Topanga is just like, hey, we can do this. And Corey's mindset goes, so I can say anything without consequences, is how he interprets that. And so instead of being honest about how he just feels about his feelings, his boundaries, he uses this as an opportunity to become an asshole. So I don't know why I expected anything else out of Corey, honestly. And I don't know why no you expected anything out of Corey because the episode itself doesn't. Like, Sean is just like, oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that Sean kind of saw what was happening. He was like, I'm just going to watch. Like, He's just like, mm -mm, don't do it. Don't, not, and what I think is interesting is that it's not, because at first when Sean's like, it's a trap, I'm like, oh, women... You know, women be lying. They be trying to trap you. That's kind of like what I thought it was. Women be trapping. <laughs> women be trapping. But no, it's it was not that. It was actually more of Corey doesn't know how to draw the line in such things. And Sean just really was just like, there is no way that Corey won't misinterpret this and then take it to the extreme. And when he does, Corey, Corey's like, Sean, how am I doing? And Sean's like, right on schedule. Like, exactly what I thought you would be doing. It's, it's such a shame because this actually is a great opportunity for Corey to learn a lesson 
and communicating boundaries in a healthy way. What we've seen from Corey and Topanga's relationship is that there's been a few times where Corey's been uncomfortable with things that Topanga has done or just feeling like he has to just like go along with things for the sake of the relationship. The Topanga Christmas episode comes to mind of just things happening where he was uncomfortable and he just didn't feel like he could just be open about it. And so it would have just been like a, a good lesson before you get married to learn how to communicate about these things openly. But it never even really circles back to that. It just, it ends with this like ass shot. And then it's just like, okay, that's, that's it. That's the end of it. I don't know. So this is what I'm like, there are parts. And again, we're speculating because we don't know. And like when the pod gets here, I'm sure they'll find out for sure. But this feels like Allison's script actually addressed really important things that couples should be addressing. Yeah, And I feel like it was rewritten and all of the lesson was removed from it at the end because it just feels very much like we almost got to the mountaintop and then at the last minute, it didn't go anywhere. You're like, where where were we going? There is no lesson at the end of it. There's no button, uh, except the only button that we get is Topanga's butt and Sean being made out with. That's it. And it's like the the stories that uh, we were talking about, about radical honesty and yeah. this idea of, I absolutely see situations like this where a couple is like, you know what? We need to be honest with each other. If we're going to get close, let's have no secrets and just have it all out there. You tell me whatever you feel and I'll take it in. And as always, especially if you're in a relationship with someone like Corey, they're going to be like, okay, let's see how much you mean this and just take it to the end. You know, I did just the, that whole thing of not communicating. Like, he missed the whole point. The whole point was to say, like, hey, if you're feeling something, I want you to feel comfortable to tell me about it. Him literally pointing into Panda's face and laughing at her, telling Rachel to put a hat on her head because he hates her hair. He said at one point, whoever cut your hair that way should be tied up and made to look at it. <laughs> terrible absolutely <laughs> terrible a great dig but terrible. Like such a, a bar i just as as I heard that i was just like amazing but also super super shitty considering the fact that all she wanted was just open communication about boundaries and that's really all it was exactly so all right so i i have to say it's really funny we all we this whole thing starts because they're in the shower and again Corey's like being desperate to be touched and at this point in time it's annoying but it's also interesting because Topanga's annoyed with it Topanga's annoyed with it Sean's annoyed with it it's like it seems as much as as viewers we're getting annoyed with it it does seem like the show itself is just like Corey is like unbearable almost at this point in time uh with his need to be touched and also a little inconsistent because in the shower scene, he's all like, well, basically, what are we getting late? What are we getting late? And she's just like, pick a wedding date, pick a wedding date. And in his mind, he never thinks, oh, if I pick a wedding date, that's when I'll get late. Like, he doesn't put it together. He just complains about it, but also prolongs any progress from happening. It just feels like he's not going along with his own interests. Like, it just doesn't really make sense. To your point, I thought it was very interesting that he's constantly sexualizing Topanga. When are we going to have sex? And then the moment Angela's like cute tushy, he's like, oh, don't look at me. Don't sexualize me. And I was like, oh. I'm just a piece of meat to you. Exactly. And it's so funny because he literally tells Topanga she's just a meat to him early on. And when someone else treats him with the same kind of like sexual gaze, he's like, but I'm, (laughs) don't look at me. (laughs) Well, he's a man. 
<laughs> women is anyway. okay, but for men, it's not okay. I mean, that's what the nineties taught us, right? Absolutely. Uh, and and to your point, so this opens up the gate of them wanting to, uh, Topanga wanting him to be honest with her because what Topanga actually says is, "Hey, I used your razor." I'm gonna pause right here and say, "Yes, please." Let's How pause. do you feel about eh? your partner using those very personal items, i.e., toothbrush, razor, so on and so forth? Where are you at? I am not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I am not a fan. I don't care what body part of mine goes in what body part of yours. <laughs> I don't care about any of that. Like my toothbrush, my like a razor. You know, I use an electric razor. I'm kind of whatever about that. But like the toothbrush thing, <laughs> I was like. You could get two toothbrushes for a dollar. Thank what you. Like, Why are we doing this? Point? No, no. I, I just, I, I, I'm not a fan of that. I don't know. How do you feel? Yeah, no. My husband said, like, my <laughs> husband. It was a very big point because when we went traveling a long time ago, he was like, "Oh, can I, I use your toothbrush?" And I was like, "Uh, uh." Yeah. <laughs> just throw it away. It's so good. <laughs> And so why? <laughs> why would you do that? I don't know. Uh, as you said, I'm, we can get you another toothbrush for like 50 cents. Don't do this. I don't thing. know if we have any uh, uh, dentist or dental hygienist that listen to our podcast. Can you please let us know if, from a bacterial perspective, is it any more gross to shove my tongue in a person's mouth and lick all over their teeth versus sharing a toothbrush? I just want to know, like, is there a difference? Here's the thing. Let's I don't know. even care if there isn't a difference. I don't like it. <laughs> that is hey. I just don't like it. That's not for me. No. And I thought that this is a really good thing of like Corey being like, I don't like it. And Topanga being like, but I want to share all of these things. As you said, there's a way to have a conversation of being like, hey, it's great for us to be intimate and close and share secrets and honesty. But some things I want for myself. And that is fine in a relationship. I really, like, we were, again, we were inching towards this conversation, and we never quite landed the plane. I, I also don't feel like Topanga ever came around to respecting the things that Corey said. Like, ultimately, it came down to this idea of, like, at the, they're sitting in the elevator, and what we're going to talk about the Yale conversation in a bit, but... They're just like, it's not really about Yale. You just wanted to share my my deodorant. And I just wanted to share that's all it really came out to came down to. And if we're a couple, we should be able to share everything. And she's not like listening to him being like, Well, he does want to share his life with you. He just doesn't want to share his deodorant and his toothbrush. So, like she never is able to just like she tells him she wants honesty, but when he actually says what she he wants, there seems to be like some hesitation to give it to him. And so I just thought that was interesting. Well, so it's <laughs> To me, and I'm going to speak as someone who has been marathoning this show, who has been listening to Pod Meets World, and who just knows how these characters have been written, it feels very much like someone tried to make a point of, hey, the conversation about sharing your toothbrush is actually an entry into sharing your lives together. And... um the kind of anxiety that comes with that yeah and someone else took a look at that lesson and was like nah it's just you wanted to use my toothbrush <laughs> you know what i, I mean <laughs> yeah and, and i have to imagine this probably stemmed from a conversation that like a writer and their wife were having and someone came to the writer's room and you'd be like oh no i used my deal to use my razor and then just kind of turned into this this thing um 
Can we talk about the Yale conversation? Can we talk about yeah, how that's brought up? Um, okay, so because we're talking about each storyline separately, just chronologically for Corey and Topanga, they get to uh, Jack and Rachel's party and they start playing this kind of basically truth or dare honesty game. Which, by the way, can we just say this? Have you ever played those games? I've, <laughs> I've played those games and it's just for a group of people to come together and say like because i have done this a bunch I mean, this happened in kind of a college settings too yeah yep. where couples who clearly were not having the conversations they needed to be having separately would take opportunities in these public settings to start hashing shit out and truth their their things and it's so awkward it's so uncomfortable for everyone and you learn so much about people based off of the questions they're asking their own partners and it's just very interesting well so it's interesting that you said that to me because my interpretation it's actually and maybe i was just this naive person but i was like oh this is totally a game you play in college this is totally something that you're down for in college because you're also trying to get to the root of who you are so this these games of honesty in truth or dare and all this other stuff are really trying to like tap in to the type of person you are, who you want to be, or like the fears or anxieties that you have. Anyway, all of that is said, I totally played these games in college with kind of like a anticipation. And it was less of like, Oh, this is awkward. And more of like, Oh, we are all down to play this game, which at 30, looking back, you're like, oh, you should not be playing those games because they will they will not lead to anything good. They can't. Well, <laughs> if there's a difference when you're at like a dimly lit party, there's loud music and alcohol and people start like, essentially, this is like a spin the bottle, like down the clown. People are trying to make out and hook up kind of game. That's not really what this is. This is like, hey, we have Cornish hen in the oven and we have 15 minutes to spare. Do you guys want to waste some time? And the way they do that is by Topanga going, well, Sean, if you could fuck anyone, no strings attached. Topanga? This yeah, is well, the question? Well, first of all, she didn't phrase it like that, so let's be honest. And second of all... She, she did it. She, she did, did and she did She it. did not. She did not. It was left up to interpretation. However, however, I will say... That, that actually totally makes sense to me because, again, this is a college party. And sometimes you have college parties where you are playing adults. Like, Rachel wants to throw a dinner party, and we'll get to the whole dinner party aspect of it. But I've had college dinners with, like, uh, my friends where, like, everyone came over and we dressed nice and someone made dinner. And we're kind of, like, play-acting adulthood dinner parties, 100%. but the actual interaction is childish. It is yeah. um, what can I do to touch your boob or to get you to confess something that I already know? You know, like, that's what no, this to is. Your, to your point, this is so college, and I've actually had so many parties exactly like this. I think the thing that I'm noting is that for a show that tries on some aspects to be kind of religious and moral and like, you know, Topanga is someone who's just like a forever virgin who's like, you know, cursing Corey with virginity. It seemed odd to me that she was the one to kind of start this dialogue with sexual-based questions. That's the thing that kind of took me by surprise. I want to make it clear, and this is me versus you. She did not make it sexual. She said, if you could spend an evening with anyone. And for me, in all honesty, that could be dinner. That could be a night out. No That's strings attached. Well, here's the thing. Wait, 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 wait. To you, to you. <laughs> what I'm saying is when I heard it, 
I was like, oh, dinner, going out with someone. It could be anything. But you are right that it's code for something more. And all I'm saying is it really does depend on how you want to approach this question. And Sean, we, we are waiting to get there, but Sean interpreted it a very specific way for a very specific reason. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Topanga's words, and I take them at their words, her words were very ABC approved. <laughs> ABC approved is correct. If this were ABC family, maybe it'd be something different. Um, just to kind of focus on the Corey and Topanga thing, um, Corey gets asked if he could change anything about Topanga, what would it be? Don't do and that. He, don't answer it. Don't answer it. <laughs> don't answer it. I, which I love. I love Jack's whole whole thing about that. But we'll we'll get to him in it, Rachel. Corey, dude, Topanga rolls her eyes, thinking, "Corey, just make a joke about us being virgins forever, and let's be dealt with it." And he actually goes, "You know, I think I would change her and need the one to be perfect all the time." Which, if we could just pause for a second. <laughs> I actually feel like, again, is not a terribly incorrect observation of Topanga. I just don't feel like this is the setting for that conversation. Because what he's actually getting at is something that's more like probably trauma-based, something that's more like, you know, if she's had this need to have be perfect her whole life, what is driving that need for for, for control and perfectionism? You're getting into something kind of deep. It's not wrong, but the thing that's interesting is that she gets, she doesn't want to have that conversation. And to be honest, I wouldn't want to have that conversation with this asshole who's been laughing at me for my hair all night either. Why would you? So for someone who's been like openly mocking me to then try to touch on a deep vulnerability, it just, it's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. And I 100% agree with you. I will say that this part of the episode, again, was weird to me because I felt like we were going to get that sitcom trope of, oh, we hit on everyone's insecurities and Mm. we all like they all come together. Like, for example, Topanga's like, oh, I'm not type A. And then Jack's like, oh, wait a minute. You think that I'm passive? And then yeah. Sean's avoidant of honesty. And I was just waiting for like them all to like get some kind of slight and some kind of vulnerability pointed out. And then they all had to deal with it together. But instead, yeah. each storyline gets a vulnerability and they just kind of focus on that. And I, I really wish they had done it to where it's like everyone gets something exposed about themselves. And then we all learn, a, the audience learns something about everyone. Exactly. Because the problem is that each couple essentially is given a problem that doesn't really get resolved in a satisfying way. I don't feel in a super satisfying way for all these cases. Um, the fact that Topanga goes as far as to bring up the fact that if I'm so perfect, why didn't I go to Yale, Corey? You've been sitting on that. Scratch. You've been sitting on that. Record scratch. <laughs> Everyone knows you've been sitting on that. And so she brings it up in the middle of a party like that. And then just for it to be resolved with this, well, I could have gone to Yale, but I would have been sad without you. Well, Girl. I feel like, hey, their whole, like, first of all, Topanga being like, I'm going to leave right now. Very much like that type A, I'm a control person. Uh, We're going to have this conversation away. Love it. And then the only reason why I'm really mentioning this is like both Corey goes after Topanga and they're in the elevator and they pause the elevator. And this is one of those sitcom things where it's like, this is a building where we can see has one elevator. You've 
paused it and <laughs> you are taking up the entire elevator of this building so you can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation y'all can't have this conversation in your own dorm rooms or in the lobby you got to take up the entire elevator come on it seems to be having a long conversation for them to sit down and chill and just like hang out in there and it's just like your point to your point this is Philadelphia. This is a city. This is a college apartment, essentially. Like, kids are using this elevator, right? We, I, I know, we know that the laundry is in the basement. So someone is waiting on this. Someone had to take their laundry down the steps so that Corey can look at Topanga's ass. This is ridiculous. Someone has a hot pocket in the oven that is getting burned. <laughs> They're waiting on the elevator to come. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to put that out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, but while in the elevator, they have a very, what I think is good conversation. Sure. Of, you know, them being like, oh, so you're going to be honest and tell me that you don't wonder what it would have been like had I gone to Yale. And he's like, if we're being honest, I do wonder what it would have been like to have time apart. Uh, but I also would have missed you. And I feel like this is good. This whole, if we're being honest, if we're saying what hasn't been said, yeah, I wonder what it would be like had you gone to Yale. Her being like, I wonder what it would have like been like to go to Yale. But them both being like, I feel like this relationship was worth the sacrifice is a storyline that I would love to have seen better detailed. Instead, we get the outskirts of that conversation. Um, and the the thing is, I would have been miserable without you. And that the being miserable without you is enough to not at least try to grow without each other. You know, I think my problem with this whole conversation that Corey and Topanga have is that it's just, it's kind of disorganized. It's like, is it about a razor or a deodorant? Is it about Yale? Is it about my hair? Is it about like this odyssey thing? Like, it just feels like I, I wish if you're going to bring up something big like why didn't i go to yale it just feels like for it to be thrown into a conversation about like toothbrushes and deodorant feels kind of benign but i guess if we're supposed to interpret that this has just been under the surface waiting to come out but if it has been this thing that's been under the surface and it has been waiting to come out it just feels like it would have been a bigger conversation i don't know i don't no, know i feel i feel like it is given i mean it is just the two of them in that elevator yeah. i feel like it is a bigger conversation i feel like maybe we don't get the depths of the conversation that they had and i feel like 90s writers specifically these 90s writers don't really have the words themselves to kind of go into this the depths of this conversation but i feel like it is given a moment and they they made an entire portion of the episode about topanga saying oh so i should have went to yale and him being like oh so you resent me for not going to Yale. That's a, that's words that are exchanged. And then they're giving their that's, own time. But see, that's the conversation. It's that secretly, Corey has felt like Topanga resents him. And secretly, Topanga kind of resents Corey a little bit. And like, they never really get into like that aspect of it in terms of just like Topanga's resentment towards Corey. 
I feel like to that part, it's interesting because I didn't think about it till you just said it. Topanga is pushing for a wedding date. Why? Because I didn't go to Yale and it has to be for a reason. I didn't go to Yale and I proposed to you. And the longer that you don't set a date is the longer that I went to Yale for nothing. Or I didn't God. go to Yale for nothing. Goddamn, I wish the show would have tied it together like that. I wish we would have gotten a, a connection like that because that's the thing. That's how A leads to Z, right? That's how we get there. Um, and it's it, the one thing that I thought was kind of interesting too was <laughs> they're in there. And again, they're having this super serious conversation and suddenly it just ends with Corey looking at her ass. Like, how is this the conclusion to this conversation? Well, I can tell you how, because I, again, is it explicitly written? No. But what we are actually talking about when Topanga goes, I, what, will, what will allow me to be able to use your toothbrush? What she's really saying is, what will allow me to be close and intimate to you in this way? And what he says is, which in all honesty, I kind of respect. He goes, no tushy, no brushy, which is like, how do you expect me to be very close with you when you are in fact being closed off to me? Like, you know what I want and I'm being very blatant about it, but you are kind of holding that hostage in a way. And this is not to say that he should be pressuring her into doing something that she doesn't want to do, but he is saying, you want to be intimate in your way. I want to be intimate in my way. So let's agree to be intimate with each other in our respective ways. And that's why, to me, Topanga says, you know what? That makes sense. And that, to me, is, like, for him to get what he wants, it's like, no, it actually does make sense. If we are both really talking about intimacy and we're both really saying, hey, I'm going to speak your language for a little bit, then it's an even exchange. But, of course, it's played for laughs, and that's the end of it. What do you, what do you have to say on all that? Um, you know, I really don't think I have too much left to say with the Corey and Topanga storyline, other than this conversation is really interesting on the things that they bring up. But overall, I just wish that to your to the conversation we just had, there's just things they could have done to just make it feel more complete and more resolved and more full. And I feel like a lot of the bickering and the fighting that happened was because there seemed to have been real emotions under there and i i mean it maybe these things got discussed in the conversation in the elevator we just didn't see that whole conversation right i, I agree um before we end i will say um uh, crinkle cut hair uh was a no-go for me there are ways to say that <laughs> but i did yes. see her hair and i was like mm -mm, girl no, Yo, no can i just say one thing about that that really made me um feel really bad for Topanga. I mean, not only is Corey just openly laughing, pointing at her face, laughing at her in front of her friends, but like, you know, she's, she, she got her hair done. She clearly paid for it. She's clearly like right about to walk into the party. My whole thing is like, if we're out and you have a problem with my shirt, don't wait until we're about to walk into the restaurant and tell me we got, you got a problem with my shirt. Like, tell me that shit at home. Like, what is this? Right before we walk in, you want to let me know all these negative feelings just to make me feel bad about myself while I'm around these group of people. It just felt like Corey couldn't tell the difference between I'm going to let her know how I feel about this versus I'm going to make her feel bad because she isn't going along with what I want. And that it, it, 
that whole thing was just a little too much. It's weaponized honesty is what it is. It's that. Mm. Um, it, that's what it is. It's him being like, oh, you wanted the truth. Well, here's the truth. And as she says earlier, Corey, you've made it clear. So he's been saying this. Is that right? If you look at everyone in the elevator, he has said this numerous times before we see them. Um, <laughs> and he just thinks it's funny. And it's like, no, it's a really immature approach to honesty. And what Topanga was trying to get at is I want you to feel comfortable to tell me the truth. And what Corey took that as was permission to be rude. Um, and there's a difference. You know, one of the things that um, my TikTok algorithm has kind of uh, pointed me to is I've just been following um, every Black creator I come across on TikTok. And so I've Love been following it. a lot of Black women. They've been really helping me with just self-healing and racial trauma <laughs> and all this stuff. Uh, but one of the things they talk about is how, like, as women, they've been, like, almost conditioned by previous generations to, like, parent their partners. Like, this whole idea of, like, you're in a relationship with, like, a man child who just you have to continue raising and this idea that you know this person hasn't been fully developed as an individual and as a woman because your mother and your grandmother did it for their parents you now have to do this thing and it just feels like Corey should not be in a relationship honestly if he can't just take a comment of just like hey i really want us to be open about our boundaries and have honesty without him taking it to the extreme of oh i'm gonna make you feel like shit for saying you want to be honest with me it just feels like that whole thing where topanga is constantly trying to teach him how to be in a relationship versus just letting him just go off and learn and like develop himself and i just kind of feel bad for topanga because it just seems like she fell into that that trap of just like parenting this man boy i don't know so i will i will defend Corey in this asset which is that he's 19 he's like 19 20 years old he's not going to have all the answers and topanga is not going to have all the answers so it actually makes sense that they're in a situation like this as 19 20 year olds however i will say the problem is they paint topanga as so mature that it does kind of put all of the onus on her instead of the two of them kind of growing together and being like, hey, we're young, we're going to make mistakes. We got engaged early. You know yeah. what I mean? That And that's it. Like, that whole conversation about like, well, yeah, of course, I thought about what a year apart would have been like. And I, of course, and it, it's almost that thing of like, well, yeah, you thought about it, but you weren't brave enough to do it either. And clearly, you guys not doing it has not been sitting right with you guys for about a year now. So like, it, it just, it, there's more to it. There's so much more to it. I, I yeah, yeah. And I, uh, again, I, I hope it comes across. I really enjoyed this episode because I thought as many storylines as we get, they kind of all worked well. I just think yeah. that as we always say, there's depth that we could have still gotten at this point in time in the nineties, we could have still gotten um, conclusions or story arcs that actually tied everything in together um speaking of other storylines let's yeah, go yeah. to the b storyline which is jack and rachel um is that the yeah. b i'm gonna call it call, told, I, i'm gonna call them as the c okay nope they're the b well honestly if we think about it, how the story is told sure, the sure. b storyline is rachel comes in she wants to host a dinner party uh for all of her friends and i think i respected the storyline because they were in fact trying to give Rachel and Jack something to do. It kind sure. of feels like a different show that they're trying to merge with this one, but it's still nice for them to give Jack and Rachel a actual storyline. 
um, that involves their uh, their friends. You know what I mean? I to your point of like liking this episode. I know I had a lot of comments to say about Corey's fingers, but that's just because this episode does have like so much going for it. And one of the things I think is really interesting is that you have a lot of competing anxieties and traumas happening. So, for example, you have Rachel who is desperate to bring validity to her relationship with Jack. Like, we're right. not just making out. We're not just roommates who are hooking up. You are in a relationship with me and we're going to do relationship things, period. Right. And then you also have her going up to Eric and being like, you know what, Eric? We would really like you at our party. And Eric goes, actually... That would make me uncomfortable. I can't imagine being there without feeling really bad about everything that happened. And Rachel, kind of out of her pocket a little bit, aggressively kind of pressures Eric to attend this party regardless. We are friends. We are going to do friend stuff. Taking almost all the anxiety she feels from her relationship with Jack and kind of throwing it onto Eric in a way that is insensitive to Eric but also she's just so caught up in her own anxieties that she doesn't even realize what she's doing to Eric. So I just thought that was interesting. Yes and no, because here's the thing. You saw it from Eric's perspective. I would argue that Rachel never gave either guy really the green light. And she's like, she kind of did like a flirtation, but in reality, she was like, hey, I never told either of you that you had a chance. I made a decision. I want to be with Jack. And Eric responded by moving out. And she was like, you said that you are my friend. And if you are truly my friend, you should be there for me and support my relationship. That's what she was saying. Now, I, I guess, say, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I will say that Eric has the right to be like, I don't want to be there. Yeah, He has the right. But instead he turns around and goes, oh my God, I love her so much. And it's like, that's the thing. It's not that, it's not that he is hurting which i think would be respectful it's that he still just sees her as a prize that he hasn't won yet and for her she's like you're supposed to be my friend you said you were my friend i'm in a relationship be there and support me as a friend that's you know that's my yes you know if you think of it as this concept that eric lost this prize that he wanted and he is just upset that he lost it then there is I think a little bit more truth to this idea of Rachel being like, if you saw me as anything more than an object or a prize, you would show up for me. And I think that's a good argument. But if we're looking at Eric in the under the umbrella that we've been talking about him lately, as this person who has just been beaten down by life and trauma and Tommy thing has just happened and Feeney's now with the Dean and he's now resorted to hanging out with Joshua because he literally has no one in his life. The idea of this girl that in his mind if he truly loves her and to him to be like hey do you want to come over to me and my boyfriend's party and him like literally breaking down and crying as he walks out i'm feeling pretty bad for this dude and I like do i do feel bad for him i'm saying two things can be true and i agree yeah, two with you both things i'm are true. saying yes. that that is a great that i would have loved to what we're talking about i would have just loved to dive deeper into that very realistic yeah. storyline of we were a love triangle. A choice was made. You are on the out of that skirt, but you also are supposed to be our friend. So as our yeah. friend, show up for us. But also for you as the individual, please don't make me watch you live my dream. That yeah. is a great tension to have. The idea that Eric would bring a date to this dinner party also is a really good thing of being like, oh, you brought someone. 
Like again, this is a great storyline that I would love. Oh, yeah, so, so much, so much meat on it this. Felt, it felt very <laughs> mature. It felt very um, more like a friends or how I met your mother type of um, complex. Like you know, we have relationship history. I'm the show up with the date. I'm invited. It just feels very mature and grown. It doesn't feel like we're in high school anymore for sure. But it does feel very college of a situation, you mm. know. And that's mm, yeah, I, I I agree with it. And I just wanted. To say that I think that two things can be true. I feel like Rachel has a point, but I also, I do look at it with the eye of, oh, Eric has no one else to hang out with. And he, but we'll come back to Eric. I'm sticking with uh, the B storyline, which is Jack and Rachel throwing this party. Again, this idea of the passive playing adulthood of, hey, I'm throwing a dinner party. I need this to be right. Oh, oh, you were going to wear that. And Jack being like, should I not be wearing this? You you wear whatever you want to wear. Which I think is Except interesting. This. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think that's really interesting because it's Rachel's idea to play the honesty game. But even she has a hard time being like, you know what? That's not my favorite of your shirts. Like, just a, a very just basic, simple, honest response. And then, so this whole thing with Jack and the part where Dang. they go, hey, Rachel, what would you change about Jack? I'm like, okay, again, at this point in time, don't just don't do this. Pick pick Is a it? different person that's not your partner. Like, <laughs> like they may right. seem like the hat is choosing, but it's like, no, no, no. You need fucking Harry one. Potter in this in this apartment. The hat's choosing everything. But uh, when she goes, oh, he's a little bit passive. I'm like, oh, okay, you've been holding on to that, and we want yeah. to help people who are holding on to things. There is. A part of Rachel who I feel like is constantly, I don't want to say digging at Jack's manhood, but is very much like a, hey, be more aggressive. Go for, like, like, you know, like there's a part of her that if, if we're living in the world that we've created, Jack is still in mourning and she's like, oh, that's good. But like, I kind of, kind of want my man to be a little bit more, a little less mopey, a little less passive and like meet me where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? You know, I that's so funny because I also kind of saw this as, you know, Jack is still in trauma. He's not trying to really think about anything that hard. And so for Rachel to call him passive or whatever, it just feels like, um, and yes, she's like, oh, he's passive. He doesn't make decisions. But I think part of that is like, he's not committing as much as I need him to commit in this relationship. Yes, he's passive about things here and there, but he's also kind of, passive about his role in our relationship right now and i need him to kind of own it a little bit more and i think Correct. that's the root of it that's the, again she's touching on the surface of it but it's the root but again to go back to my point this is such a college thing because you waited until a room full of people were around before you brought up this very personal thing that you feel about your partner this was not a conversation you had with him before everyone got there and I also, I like, so when Jack's just kind of, like, sitting there, like, do you think I'm passive? Or all this other stuff? Yeah. I kind of liked that, A, we're getting some depth to Jack here. But I also Definitely. was waiting for, I was waiting to see what Jack would do with that. Um, and, like, see if he had anything he wanted to say to Rachel, uh, other than the hair thing. Which, again, it was kind of like, mm. But I'm I'm happy that they got some resolution and he was able to kind of speak his truth a little bit more honestly can i um just you know speculate 
the reason why Jack could have think of something that he would change about Rachel is because he don't know Rachel. I don't disagree. I don't he disagree. He does not know enough about her to have an opinion about her that's negative because in his mind, she is still what he thinks of in his brain of her and not I, the reality I, of her. I thought they were going to address that too. I thought, because I think at some point in time, she goes, you've been sitting there for 20 minutes and this is all you can come up with. And I thought we were going to get into a fight. I thought she was going to be yeah. like, how much do you know about me? Like, it's like, you know, like I thought that that, but again, we didn't go there. And I was like, yeah. Man. But I was so glad that they were able to have some kind of honesty. Let's move on to C, which is Sean and Angela. This is specifically C because it comes so late in the episode and we don't get as much screen time with them as we should. But uh, first things first, the honesty game. Sean is immediately... Can we back up a little bit earlier? Because um, in the opening scene, I just wanted to point this out. When they're in the, the bathroom and they're in the showers or whatever... Angela comes up and playfully slaps Sean's ass, and Sean reacts like writer trying to get a hug from Adam Scott. Like he is like, <laughs> oh, and he's like, Angela, why'd you do that? And he's just kind of uncomfortable with it. But you could tell that she's like flirting with him a little bit. There's a little bit of something there that if you were to watch the last few episodes, you would not have thought that she would have approached him that way. So I just thought that was an interesting way to start the episode because it kind of lets us know that Angela's maybe like flirting with the idea of you know something with sean again which i just thought was interesting that that's very true the only thing that i was going to say is that sean in in general the entire episode is weary of the honesty and i feel like that comes from a very genuine place i feel like sean has seen honesty weaponized between his mother and mm. chat i feel like sean knows this game of people say they want honesty but they don't really want honesty they they honestly want to live with their lies and i felt like that was what sean was doing the entire episode of being like oh we all say that we want to be honest even himself i think a little bit of it yeah. is self-denial in the sense of like i said one thing but i feel a different and people don't want to really know how i feel definitely and i think that's it is that sean feels like he can't be open about his feelings so he is very weary about games that require you to just randomly be open about things you know as everything you said about sean's perception i agree with in my head canon i was secretly hoping that sean was the one who was kind of saying there's nothing wrong with honesty, but the way literally everyone's going about honesty in this episode is extremely problematic. And I'm just going to sit back and watch it for the sitcom that it is. And that, you know, I'm I'm not a fan of honesty games like this, but it's specifically because I came here to eat. I didn't come <laughs> here to do this. You invited me to dinner and I didn't even get a chance to eat anything like it. He never got to eat. I <laughs> when, when Rachel goes, oh, we're playing an honesty game. And he's like, I just I just came to eat. Again, there was very much like a, oh, I see where this can go. And I'm not trying to go there. <laughs> That's not the thing I signed up for. Because I know what's going to happen when couples start revealing secret truths to each other. Like drama will unfold. We've all been at these dinner parties. We've Absolutely. all had these Absolutely. awkward truth or dear games. Like, it's just not a good time. So I get Sean's perspective. Absolutely. Um, then Angela says, sorry, Topanga asks Sean if you could spend an evening with anyone, no strings attached, no commitment, 
who would you spend it with? And he goes, anyone in the world. And you see Angela in the background be like, mm, and she's looking, she paying attention. Uh-huh. And he goes, well, then I'd have to say Angela. And again, that to me is like one of those things where it's like, you were just waiting for a reason to say this. And she, she smiled was like, instantly. All right, let's do it. And she I was it out like, right away. Right, I, let's go. And that's why I said, it's not a dinner. It was never a, if you could have a night with someone dinner. She's like, let's go in the room right now. Well, he's like, that is what it was. But I think that I, what Angela is saying is, I feel like Angela's calling his bluff in the sense of, you keep putting up walls between us. You keep saying that you don't want this to be anything. So I'm going to meet you where you're at. I can do friends with benefits. I can do no strings attached. It's not me. Let's do it. And then sure enough, they go into the room, which, okay, pause. Corey literally goes, whoa, 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 where are you going? You guys can't do this if I'm not involved. I was like, again, centering, like, it, like I'm sorry, everyone. Yes, it's called Boy Meets World. But this boy literally thinks the world revolves around him. He centered himself in his friend's hookup. And he was like, wait, 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 I, I'm the one who's been fighting for you to get together. Shouldn't I get a little bit of something? <laughs> Can I make this about me somehow? Anyhow, make it about me. What do you think everyone else at that party thought was happening in that room? Do you think they thought they were making out? Do they think they thought they were having sex in Rachel's bed? Like, where was this going in, in the honesty, minds of the party goers. I've, I've had those evenings with friends where like two friends who you know have a history, who you know, like you don't care. The thing about it is when you're true friends, you're like, oh, they're working themselves out. It could be making out. It could be more than that. What you know is this is an on again, off again thing and they have to do them, which is why I think everyone else in the party just went on. And the only person who was obsessed about it is Corey, because again, Corey was like, Sean's getting something that I don't get to have. Mm-hmm. And that's what that was really about. But everyone else is like, th- th- it's very clear they still want to be together. It's very, we have a whole other party we could be having. Yeah. We're not worried about them. I thought it was uh, pretty interesting that, uh, to your point, Angela calls him out on it, uh, on his bluff. Um, because when the push comes to shove, Sean can't just have friends with benefits. He can't have strings attached and he's upset with himself. He thought, you know, in this like high school mindset of Sean Hunter, the Sean Hunter that was a legend that he could be this person with no strings attached, but and he blames Corey and Topanga essentially for in, like infecting him with this, like disease of monogamy, essentially. When he goes, I don't Oh my God, I'm both of them. I legit laughed because he realized yeah. that he was a little bit of Topanga as well. No. Um, and, but I, I think that you're right in the sense that Sean is the one who told Angela, I want to be in college. I want to live my life freely. And Topanga's like, you've been saying that. And yet everywhere I go, you're here. You haven't dated yeah. anyone since we started. And I know that you still want to be with me. So if you say that you want no strings attached and no commitment, and that's what your college is experience about, then guess what? I'm ready to do that. Oh, wait, you can't do that. That's not the person who you are anymore. And you are just now learning that. I've been known. I think, although I'm kind of I think this back and forth between Sean and Angela is starting to like kind of lose steam for me a little bit. Um, I think it makes sense that 
Sean came back from his road trip with a different perspective on his relationship with Angela. And, you know, I think that, I hope that, you know, that's kind of the motivation of just like, hey, you know, I isolated myself and I realized that I really need people in my life and I'm in love with you, essentially. Like, that is a, is a great, like, story arc for him to come to. But it doesn't even feel like the road trip or his time away is really paying, playing a part in his decision at all. He's just like, oh, I didn't realize how much I missed you until we started making out again. And I was just, and I just feel a little cheaper. You're right in the sense that I wish they had a line in there about, like, there's so many things with Sean where I feel because we've been watching, they're hinted at, but I do wish it was in the script a little bit more. This idea yeah. of Sean, hey, again, Sean and Jack kind of have a moment where I'm like, oh, they're brothers and they both kind of have this thing around honesty, but they don't really yeah. go anywhere with it. And Sean having this realization of like, oh, if I could with anyone, it would be Angela. You're right, it's probably motivated from his time apart, but we don't get that. And I wish we had just gotten a line of him being like, when when he's literally on top of her in Rachel's <laughs> room, I wish it would have been like on the road, I couldn't stop thinking about you, you know? Yeah, like that would have been a lot better than just like, oh wow, like you, you feel so good. I missed this, I missed you. It just, it just, I wish there was a little bit more substance to it, like we said, so. Absolutely. Uh, and then that episode, that storyline pretty much also ends uh, with the, the tag. The scene. tag of sh sh her, again, calling his bluff, making out with him and instantly getting a boner and like, <laughs> I gotta take a cold shower. And exactly. that's the cap of the episode. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, finally, the D storyline, which mm -hmm. I, uh, again, it's like, are, are we commit to something? Because we get this idea of Eric, the D storyline is Eric. Eric's a daddy. Or Eric yes. just lies throughout his date. And it is funny that Eric chooses to tell this elaborate story at the exact same time everyone else is playing the honesty game. Yes. And Sean's just like, oh, well, that should be great for this honesty <laughs> For the game. honesty game, yeah. <laughs> that um, we're all playing. This storyline with uh, Jack, I mean, I'm sorry, with Eric and Joshua is interesting. It's funny. It makes sense considering everything that happened with uh, Will Friedle. I got to be honest. I probably would have found this storyline to be a lot more interesting had it not been, what, six years after the Fresh Prince episode that came out with the same premise of Will taking baby Nikki to, like, the student union and using him to get a date, saying he was his dad, and, like, it became a whole thing of him lying to this girl, saying, hey, I'm this is my child, and whatever. So it's just it's a storyline I've definitely seen on sitcoms before, but it does fit Eric's storyline well in terms of he has no one else in his life, He's hanging out with his baby brother. And then right when his like former flame, essentially his crush asks him to come to her and her boyfriend's party. He sees an opportunity to like get a girl interested and bring him, bring her along to the party. I, I, I get all of that. The thing is, is that he actively gaslights this girl for an entire evening and other women hear it and are like, Topanga says, she deserves what she gets. And well, I'm just like, God, I, like, I'll say this a few things. One, my issue is that it didn't go anywhere. As you said, Dana doesn't find out the truth and the lies aren't like, it's not like she hears I'm Batman and then gets up and leaves because obviously he's just been telling elaborate lie after elaborate lie. It's just, it just ends. And I was like, no, if you're going to have 
his dishonesty be a part of the storyline, then I do need it to end with him it being discovered. Like I need all secrets out on the table. I need Dana to have some kind of sense. There was a little bit of how I met your uh, mother. Oh, honey. <laughs> like the yeah. idea of her believing his lies. Uh, but I wish they had gotten to the point of just Dana having some kind of agency and being like, okay, yep. I was willing to believe X, Y, Z, but you've gone too far. I, I just, again, in this age of just like, you know, kind of trying to be better with things like manipulation and gaslighting and all these things, it just feels like one of the other women in the room could have just like given her a heads up. I get that they have an allegiance to Eric, but at a certain, how far does that go really? Well, and I like, think what Topanga was saying is if she is believing that you are on leave from Iraq, then I'm not really sure how much I could tell her. <laughs> fair enough, Again, fair I'm not enough, saying honey. that it's good. I'm just saying that it's like, you seem to want to believe this lie. And because that's the case, I'm going to let you do you. But to go back to what you were saying, the depth of it, this idea that Eric is struggling to yeah. find anyone and he uses his little brother as a way of getting women again i actually wish we had gone a little bit further because we never come back to this she doesn't ask him any questions about parenting or anything so where it's just like oh i need her to challenge him a little bit and him have to defend his story but instead it just drops the oh he's a single dad aspect of it and it just goes into a what other crazy lies can eric tell I'm going to pitch a different ending for this, which is um, they're on the couch. Eric says, I'm Batman in a joke. He looks over. He sees Rachel and Jack making out or laughing or flirting. And then his face kind of drops. It's not joking anymore. And then he looks at Dana and goes, actually, I'm none of those things. I'm just, oh my God. It, it just, it just is like, just, just, just throws it out there and says, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I, I took up your time. I'm just, I think I'm going to go home. Like something like that. Just something of just like, you know what? I've been lying to you all this time, but really it doesn't even mean anything at this point. Cause in this moment, I'm realizing the reason why I'm doing it. And it, you know, just something like that would have been a better way to end it. Slow clap all the way. Magnifique. I love it. You're so great. I shouldn't even be saying this shit during the writer's strike. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, oh, all right. I will say this. Um, this the beginning scene with Eric and Joshua, where he hands over the baby to his parents, led to my bra moment of this episode. Ooh, okay, which was Alan looking at a college girl. So there's a scene where Amy goes, "I can't believe our son is using his baby brother to get girls," which makes sense. Amy is, you know, an intelligent woman who likes to call things what they are, and Alan. Also, usually being Alan is like, I understand it. However, then a, I'll say, voluptuous college girl walks by. <laughs> and Alan's like, hey, you see what I made there? And I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> In front of Amy. In front of Amy. Um, <laughs> Who just gave birth and almost lost her baby. Come on. <laughs> I mean, this is the same guy that, was wooing over like twins at a talent show for his daughter. I I, I don't know. Alan's got some things to work out. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. I just I don't like what they're doing with Alan because 
as much as I do understand a father, if it was a father and his son, i.e. Alan and Eric being like, you know what? I got you. That is one thing. But to have Alan in front of his wife tell a college girl, do you see what I made there? I could do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I was like, whoa, what are we doing? Uh, in terms of a bra moment, like, obviously, I kind of felt a certain way about no one kind of helping Bannon navigate the lies being fed to her. But I think my overall bra lesson is... Bra lesson whoever, or bra moment? Bra moment, sorry. Bra moment is whoever gave you that haircut should be tied up and made to look <laughs> at it. I was like, bro, that shit is cold as ice. I, I, <laughs> it's the best dislike I've heard on the show's history, and I'm going to remember it forever. It's it's terrible, uh, but it's funny, uh, which is how those things go. <laughs> why you feel, you hate yourself, uh, Feeny lesson. What was the takeaway of this episode? Be honest. Uh, uh, I think honesty has its limitations. Like you should be honest. Oh, okay. But know how to be honest. Yes, there's like that's the thing I feel like is the real lesson that as an adult watching the show I'm walking away with is that real honesty, like, yes, there's a difference between um, like open communication and being brutal with your honesty. I think that's the thing. It's that's what I'm walking away with. Corey is brutal with his honesty. He is intentionally trying to make people feel bad with his honesty and weaponizing it, as you said. And I think that that's the biggest thing to walk away from. But what the episode is actually teaching as a 12-year-old watching this episode and watching it, it's that you could pretty much convince any girl anything if your friends just go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the episode actually told me. I don't know. Um, what about you? No, no. I, 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 I love that. The way you put that is perfect. It's like there's a difference between open communication and brutal honesty. Um, I really like that. Yep. Uh, what grade are you giving this? I'm going to give this episode actually a B plus. I, again, did not remember this episode at all. I thought it could have gone in a thousand different directions, but for what it was, I thought it was really substantial. I thought that every character was tackling issues that we have been hoping that they would tackle. Like, especially coming after the B episode, which was yeah. such a, a, a yeah. pause for everyone's storyline. Like, it just feels like this actually addresses the things that every character is struggling with. So for that reason, I give it a B plus. What about you? I love it. I, I think that's great. I was going to give it a B. Uh, so I, I could be talked to a B plus. I felt like I was just going to give it a B, but I feel like B plus is fine. Yeah. I, you B know what? Plus. I think part of it too is that we've had some episodes recently that I've just have not really thought were very good. So I think the fact that this is like anything good, like if this were like season four or five, Maybe it would have gotten a C, but just for where we are right now, B plus. I completely agree. And uh, like, uh, if I'm being honest, uh, a, a huge part of me kind of just felt like this episode was a breath of fresh air. So I was like, yeah. oh, I don't feel like I've gotten an episode that actually brought all of the young cast together and gave them a storyline that made sense for where they are as individuals. Totally. Because you're right. Like, I mean... Technically, there is this ABCD storyline, but technically it's just one storyline, which is that like, hey, 
there's a big party, everyone's coming to it, and that we're all going to be honest at it. It kind of feels like a Friends bottle episode. Like yes. it, it, we're all together, and yeah, we're going to explore different parts of the set, but we're all on the same set together. And I, I just thought it was it worked really well. It's funny that you say that because I kept going, I kept like thinking about Friends, and that was kind of like why I was like, this episode could be better. In that, like, we give it a lot of slack usually because we're like, oh, it's the 90s and it's not written like today's comedies are. But I was like, no, Friends was doing shows like this within an ensemble cast. Um, and it could have been done at this point in time. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Heading into homework. What do you got? Homework for me. Um, is going to allow CJ to announce his homework first. <laughs> so it was funny. I, I had a few that I was choosing between, but I actually checked out this. Uh, I usually like to have my homework kind of echo whatever we were doing lately. But I would say the one that I've enjoyed watching was this show called Extraordinary on Hulu. Have you heard of Dang. it? No, I haven't. It's basically, it's kind of like, it's a British TV show. It's on Hulu, and it's about what would happen in a world where everyone had superpowers, but, like, everyone has superpowers. Some of them are your classic, like, I um, shoot lasers out of my eyes, and some of them are um, very nuanced, like, yeah. uh, I can grow my fingernails really long. So it's just, like, it's kind of like that, but, of course, the main character doesn't have superpowers uh and that's kind of like the situation her roommate can speak to the dead but she still has like a run-of-the-mill job like her job is to be <laughs> a legal counsel where they have the dead come in and talk over their will to make sure that it was their in fact last will and testament so like it's just stuff like that and then um, yeah. it's one where her mom has the power to control technology but she's a mom so she's bad with tech. And that's the thing that I like about it is that that's you have all of these things where it's like, yeah, you have this power, but it doesn't change. Like it doesn't come with an instruction manual. So unless you actually are good with whatever you're doing, like it doesn't really matter. And I, I don't know. I, yeah. It was really fun. It was a good time, a good story arc. Uh, I think it's one season on um, Hulu. And yeah, I had fun. Oh, dope, dope, dope. I'll have to check it out. Um, okay, so yeah, for my homework, um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna throw two out there. The first is I started reading Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. I don't know if you're familiar with the book. I have it. Uh, I've been waiting to read that because I'm like, I don't know if I'm prepared for these kind of honesty, <laughs> but keep going. Speaking of like honesty in terms of just the episode in general, let me just say I I'm pretty like only two chapters in or something like that. It's a very good read. I highly recommend it in terms of just getting to a point where you can just kind of forgive trauma, forgive your parents, kind of, you know, parent yourself, you know, mature past yeah. a lot of that stuff. It's a great book to read. Um, so, yeah, enjoying that. And the other thing I'm going to throw out there for homework is that um, we went to the Boy Meets World live show recently and they're taking it on tour. So if you guys are out there and you guys want to meet the cast and see them in person, they're going around the country. You can get tickets for their um live show on the Pod Meets World site, and I just highly recommend going checking that out if they're coming to a city near you. 
I don't think that I didn't notice that you skipped over the therapy part and went straight into <laughs> the promo. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, some therapy, some things are hitting, but you know, whatever. Boy Meets World's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing about the book is that it just gets really into the nitty gritty. And like, to your point, like you have to be like ready to just be like, okay, I'm going to tackle generational trauma. And it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's not fun. There's a reason why parents and grandparents didn't do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, uh, as a response, go check out Poppy's World going on tour. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, dive into your trauma a little bit, but then have a fun release from it. You know, take a break from it. You know, two sides of the coin. It's funny that you say that. I personally have been thinking about all of our old homework, and like I used to read all these books and uh, nonfiction. I was like, oh, I haven't done that in a while. I was like, oh, there's a reason. I just was reading so many heavy things. I was like, I need a break. I need yeah. to like, I need to remind myself that there's more to life than just the honest truth. <laughs> so uh, so I watch a world where people have superpowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me and you are literally going to go see Guardian Blender tonight. Like, exactly. It's like a little bit of this. A little bit of that, you know? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning into Brummy's World. Don't forget to leave us a rating. Uh, you can catch us at any of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, make sure you keep up with us and follow us at Brummy's World on all the places. Uh, as we said before, reach out to us on Gmail and uh, please help us hit our 1,000 YouTube follower mission. Uh, T, is there anything else you want to say? No, we just, uh, again, appreciate all of the comments and the questions that, and the interactions that we're getting on social media, guys. We love uh, hearing your thoughts, especially about these episodes. So, um, yeah, you're on our social media. If you see us post something, you know, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. All right. Thank you guys so much. And as always, I think uh, William Daniels said it best <laughs> during the live pod, which is remember to dream. Remember to try. And do good. Do some damn good, y'all. And yes, William Daniel said, damn good. He said it for us <laughs> at our show. <laughs> yeah, y'all get the director's cut. <laughs> Later, bros. Later, bro. When the spawn meets world.